Amen. 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 Well, as we uh, wrap up our series, Love Your Neighbor, uh, we were talking about all these different topics, but now we come to probably the topic that is the most dangerous and yet most needed topic to discuss. It's the idea of racism. And uh, I come from it from a perspective of a limited perspective, so I fully understand that. But you have to understand that when someone says they're going to share a message on racism, we all come with preconceived notions, all of us, uh, at some level or another, if we are just going to be honest enough. The question is, will we be honest enough? We already come saying, waiting to hear what the person's going to say that we disagree with. Because they don't get it. Because they don't get my place. And so it's not the funnest place, but it's with a pure heart that I come to talk about this to show us that we have to follow Christ. That we have to follow this example. And so here's the thing that is so critical and so important in this whole conversation. There's a few things that are absolute must that will be offensive right away to some. Right away. The first thing that I'm going to ask you to not ask me to do is don't ask me to not quote Scripture. People do. That's the truth. Oh, you're going to talk about racism? You can't talk about that with Scripture. I've heard it. Please don't ask me to set aside my faith when dealing with this issue because without my faith, this issue wouldn't be dealt with. So it requires my faith. It requires your faith. It requires our faith. And please, please, whatever you do, don't ask me to leave Jesus out of the conversation. Because without Jesus, the truth is we are hopeless and helpless. And so as we come to that, we start to understand. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I am definitely a little nervous about this topic because of my limited perspective. And, and the truth is, we have to talk about this, but it creates a discomfort and, 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 and a uncomfortableness within all of us. And yet we have a, a special and beautiful thing because the most segregated hour in America is Sunday morning. The, the hour that we all go to our place the black church goes to the black church and the white church goes to the white church and the Spanish church and the Korean church and all these other churches. But we don't do that. We come to our church together. And that's uncommon. It's not common. But the easy thing would be for all of us just to go to our own kind. See, we just get up and say, I'm just going to go there because they're like me. But I'm not a racist. But I'm not a racist. Just making sure. So we, we think about this and we think about this struggle and we think about the, the need and the, com the, 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 comp the compelling argument is somebody has to say something, but we all have personal responsibility. We all have to be personally responsible for our prejudices. We all have to be willing to acknowledge our differences while at the same time personally building relationships and bridges. You can do everything you want on social media and be a slacktivist and a clicktivist. 
But I want to know what are you doing in your relationships? Are you building relationships with people uh, that are not like you? It's a question you have to ask yourself. I'm not doing that because they don't understand me. Well, help them to understand. How will they ever understand if we don't extend a hand? And so we have this same struggle. We have the same struggle, and the, and the struggle always comes down to an issue. And, and one of the greatest uh, stories about this, obviously, is the Good Samaritan. But the guy comes with a question that's deeper than that, because the first question he asks is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What's the greatest commandment? These are questions that were asked, and Jesus said, oh, that's easy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Then you're good to go. Doesn't stop there, though. Because then the question that's asked is a question that's meant to be exclusive, not inclusive. Because then he says, oh, that, that, that's interesting. Well, who is my neighbor? Not who, not, not, not. How, but who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Because I want to know who not to love. Who, God, do you tell me I don't have to love? You tell me the minimum. Tell me just who I just, just white people, just black people, just Christians. Just, you tell me that, and I'm going to love them all to death, but everybody else, I get to hate. wasn't a question of that and then Jesus answers his question in not a who but a how not a who but a how he, he rearranges the WHO to how and then he tells a story and the story he tells is of their most hated people the Samaritans who they called half-breeds so then he tells a story and he makes the hero of the story the unlikely person in not and in answering the how he answers the who everybody and so, so when you think about this, uh, it, Jesus tells this story and and as he's communicating the the unique part of this is Luke chapter 10 verse 29 when he says but he wanted to justify himself so he asked and who's my neighbor see when you and I seek to justify ourselves to justify our positions what happens is is we're not really asking the how we just want to know who because we just want to be justified it's a very selfish thing to seek to just justify we can be justified We say we want justice, but really we want just us. Right? So who's my neighbor? Someone who has a different uh, language? Someone who's a different color? Different skin? Tattoos? Piercing? How, when, when, when does it, how, how does this happen?
And Jesus, he tells the story, and as he tells the story of a man who was attacked and robbed and beaten, and a priest goes by, and when the priest goes by, he, he sees the man, but he says, oh, I can't, I can't do this because I'm on my way right now, and if I touch this guy, then I'm going to be unclean. Therefore, I won't be presentable for church. So he walks by. A Levite comes along and the same thing happens. Well, I can't really get involved because if I get involved, then my hands are going to be dirty and I'm going to be unclean. So he walks away. Then a Samaritan shows up, doesn't ask any questions, and begins the process of helping. Now the people in the story are scoffing right away. Right away, they're not happy about this. It says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, which means he had to get his hands dirty. He poured oil and wine, which means it costs something. And you know what oil and wine? It's for healing. He pours healing on him, and, and then he put the man on his own donkey, on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And then as he had to depart, he said, hey, I'm going to pay the bill for that guy when I come back. Whatever he owes, you take good care of him. And then and Jesus, Jesus gives this mouth-dropping, shocking, uh, just mind-blowing explanation and creates the Samaritan as a hero, something that runs 700 years deep. 700 years, the Samaritans have been hated. Racism was running rampant in their culture and it was accepted. Does that sound familiar? Yes. Does it? Yes. It was accepted behavior. It was accepted as a part of culture. You don't believe me? Look at the woman at the well. Jesus comes up to her. First off, he asks her, and she's a woman. There was an issue there. Then it turns out she's a Samaritan and she says, she says, um, uh, he, she says if you knew, he, he, why are you asking me for a drink? Why are you asking me? I'm a woman. I'm a Samaritan. If you knew who I was, you wouldn't. And Jesus said, no, if you knew who I was, you'd be scooping it by the bucket. And then the disciples show up and they try and correct Jesus. Jesus, you can't be hanging out with her. She's a woman. She's a Samaritan. You can't go to that church with a white pastor. You're black. Oh, we are? I'm freckled, so I think I'm like in the middle. Because I'm kind of like, you know what I'm saying? There's some brown coming through. That, thank you, brother. But the truth of the matter is, when you think about this, they, they act like we don't know. Well, we know, but we're the ones doing the work. We're willing to be here. We're willing to love and call ourselves family. That's the difference maker. So the first question, and, and Dr. Martin Luther King said this best when he said, um, the, the priest and the Levite said, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? He said, but the, the Samaritan reversed the question and said, if I don't stop and help this man, what's going to happen to him? The heart of the gospel is loving people. People. Even those different. Especially those different. 
Dennis Leary said this, racism isn't born, folks, it's taught. He said he has a two-year-old son, the only thing that he hates is naps. <laughs> There's no racist gene, you know what it is? It's learned behavior. Amen. It's ignorance. Amen. It's lack of willingness to, to cross the street. It's lack of willingness to get involved. So why is it that people become racist over time? There are a number of reasons. Probably the number one is we've been a victim of racism. I couldn't believe it in my own Bible college, my own seminary. One of my best friends, a um, uh, black brother named John Johnson. I never had to call him black brother because it's kind of obvious. But uh, he was light-skinned and had freckles, so we had something in common. The freckle brothers had something in common, you know. But he was experiencing racism on campus. There was a group called the Dixie Boys. Unbelievable. True story. And he and I would be there together, and he and I were always, we always had interaction, and, and, and we would joke, and we would laugh about it, but, but there were times that I had to make sure that he was protected. This is in the 90s. It's crazy. We're going to make sure you don't graduate. Things like that, they would just whisper as they walked by. So I, I kept close to him. And then I was hurt. Uh, I had both feet surgery at the same time. And, uh, and John would come to my car. He'd meet me there. He'd take my wheelchair out, put it in there. Then he'd put me in my wheelchair. And then just between us, he would say, where you want to go, Miss Daisy? <laughs> I said, you better stop. You know? And he would take me to my class, drop me off. And then he would come back and get me early to get me to my next class. We were just brothers, man. Just brothers. Then he did his internship at my all-white church. In Dade City, Florida. But you know what? He was loved. We built... The first place I ever preached openly the gospel was in the Church of God in Christ, downtown Dade City, a black church. I preached the gospel right there. The first time ever, open right there. They invited me and I went. And we, then we, would have, we began this beautiful transition of, why, don't, why doesn't your choir come and sing at our church? And, then we'll, and before you know it, we, started, we had sports leagues. And before you know it, it was the place to be. We had families coming together. We had a, a beautiful culture because somebody crossed the street. And the truth is they invited this young white kid to preach at their church. And they treated me like gold. Special. But somebody had to cross the street. And so I told John, I said, listen, John, this, this church has changed because we, we're, 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 built, we're doing something that others haven't. We were having so much fun when, uh, when their adult choir came to sing with us that people didn't want to go into the Wednesday night service. They wanted to come to our church service. But it hurt me to know that John was going through what he was going through. And I made sure, I made it my, my, my job to protect him and make sure that he and I were together. Because he treated me better than any other brother, white, black, or whoever. 
You see, sometimes it's just, it's relationships. You got to be willing to build those relationships and love people and hear them. I could have told him, oh, no, man, that's not really happening. But I saw it. I experienced it. I had to go with him when he had to get a special, uh, uh, some sort of pass, some sort of thing. Because if I wouldn't have been there, they probably would not have written that for him. Because one of those dudes was in there, but they were a secret group because they're always cowards. They're always cowards. So I sat in there with him like, you're signing that, right? Yes, you are. Because I have a big mouth. And so maybe we've been hurt, and so we can't trust. And so I don't like them. I don't like them all because of one or two. The second thing is it's taught. Our family, we don't hang around these people or that people. Right? It's handed down from generation to generation. Some people don't even know why they don't like the other race. They just know mama didn't and daddy didn't, so I don't. And that's all, right? I'm not talking, I'm talking about all of us now. There's even racism within cultures. And the third is ignorance. Thinking that our little comments don't matter. It's the lack of perspective, the lack of exposure. For no matter what reason. There's no excuse. No excuse. None at all. You see, racism is not a skin issue. Racism is a sin issue. African-American theologian uh, John Smith shared that. Racism is not a skin issue. Racism is is a sin issue. It's an issue that runs deep in our hearts. And our video shared that we had that problem from the very beginning until Jesus stepped in. Not the white Jesus, not the black Jesus, not the Spanish Jesus, but Jesus stepped in. You and I, we don't have the privilege of showing uh, favoritism. Because you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. We don't do favoritism. That's not what we do. We love all people. But it takes work to do that. Because if we're being honest, you have to search your heart. It's not easy. It's not easy. So the question is, how do I love my neighbor who's different than me? How do I love them? Well, you start by loving them. The first thing you got to do, here comes now, get ready for the x-ray. Get ready for the x-ray because you thought this, this was not the part. This is the part that hurts now. The first part was just like, okay, I'm, we're through that. I'm a little sweaty, but we're moving. The second part is now you have to recognize any prejudices that you have. See, prejudice is prejudging, preconceived opinion that's not based on reason or actual experience. We all have prejudices. That's right. That's going to be on video. It's going to be on camera and it's going to be out live. We all have prejudices that we have to fight. We need to be honest. It's difficult, but there is a struggle. A prejudice is a mindset or racist attitude and we've got to be careful of that. We prejudge people. 
a lot of things, and, and that's just not, not just racism, but we're prejudiced toward a lot of things. Rich people are snobs. Overweight people are lazy. You should tag along with me one day and find out how lazy I am. Younger generation doesn't want to work. Christians are hypocrites. White men can't jump. Hey, but I'm not a racist. <laughs> Paul said, if I'm being honest, some black men can't either. So. <laughs> Here's my favorite one, though. Here's my favorite one. I'm not a racist. I got a black friend. Really? We all do it. I got a white friend. Like you check the box, you know? Not racist. One white friend. Yay. But is that on Facebook? Or how do you really know them? <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is we deal with it when we don't deny it. We fight against it just like any other sin. Just like any other sin, we have to battle this through the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God together. We acknowledge that we have a prejudice and we present it to God and say, God, help me with this. I can't overcome this without you. And perhaps Jesus will tell you a story about your villain, your Samaritan. And then we start to understand which is the second point. We got to seek to understand others. Like I said, man, I have a very limited perspective. But I'll tell you what, when I watched my brother John suffer, I suffered with him. I could not believe on a Christian campus this was happening. I could not believe it. That people who were going to be future ministers... I was like, no, this is not. But I got right in the fight. Got right in the fight. Didn't care what it was going to cost me. We have to seek to understand. Some of us don't understand how our brothers and sisters have been abused and mistreated, unfairly rejected, on and on. And it helps when we enter into dialogue so that we know their pain and we can join that fight. Jesus took time to tell the story of the Good Samaritan to teach that there is goodness in all people. I'm going to say it again. There's goodness in all people. He was hoping that the listeners would then seek to understand. Our message must be one that seeks to invite and unite, not to incite and indict. That has to be our message. Our message of unity in Christ. Our message is you can't destroy us. You can't destroy what God is doing. It doesn't matter what you say. Your prejudices, your racism will not prevent us from loving Jesus and loving each other. And you're invited to the party. But how can we seek to be understood without understanding? You see, if I want to be understood, I have 
to understand where you're coming from. I have to look and say, well, you come from a different perspective. I have to see that where you're at and your struggle so that we can understand each other. It's not a one-way understanding. It's a mutual understanding so that we can identify together if the behavior that we send out incites and indicts an entire people group then they all feel attacked. But if our message invites and unites us all against injustice, then we can come together under the banner of Jesus Christ and strike into the heart of darkness. We can be righteously angry. As a matter of fact, we should be righteously angry. Righteous anger against injustice is a part of who we are as the image of God. But that's injustice all across the board. When our fleshly anger prevents us from being understood, we'll never understand. And you know what we end up losing? Relationships and unity. That's what we lose. We lose our relationships that we have and unity over something because we weren't willing to be understood and to understand. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We have more to agree on than not to. We have to forgive We have to move forward. But you and I have got to do it on a personal level. You think this this revival, man, this revival is the seven by seven revival. The majority of the revival is African American churches. I'm one of like two white guys. But I'm I'm leading the full sector. Somebody's got to cross the street. But you know what? It was Pastor Murphy who called me and said, do you want to preach at this? And I was like, uh, yeah. And we build, we're building this relationship. But not everybody wants it. Not everybody wants it. There are plenty of white pastors and black pastors in this city that do not want to work together. And it's foolishness. But it's true. I'm already receiving, receive resistance. we got to learn, number three, to love those different from you. And when we show up to the consecration service uh, last year, they all have robes. I ain't got no robe. I was like, baby, I need a robe. She's like, no, you do not. Showing up in there all like, you know, like the macho man Randy Savage, you know? You know? <laughs> so I showed up in my, in my uniform, jeans and a button-up shirt. They were like, we got to robe up. I'm like, I am. But they love me and treated me the same. It was beautiful. Because you know why? It was a we. We were on stage together. We were coming together as the church. We've got to be willing to love those different from you. Love those different from us. Celebrate those differences. Worship. Enjoy. Be a part. Participate. 
It's a powerful, powerful experience. Sometimes, guys, we just got to cross the street. And it doesn't matter if it's on the north side, south side, rich side, poor side, whatever you want to call it, we just got to cross the street. It doesn't have to be a grand gesture. Just cross the street, man. Love each other. The biggest thing that we can do is be human. The Good Samaritan story is just that. It's a story of loving someone different. And Jesus was hoping that His hearers would do the same. Because the truth of the matter is, racism is not just the presence of hatred. You know what it is? It's the absence of love. That's the truth. Racism is not just the presence of hatred. No, hate is here. But it's the absence of love. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ. God loves everyone. Heaven is created for all of us. And if you don't like a certain group of people, you ain't going to like heaven. Because this is what the Bible says. Look at Revelation. It says, There before me was a great multitude that no one could count from where? Every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to who? Come on, say it louder. Who? Our God. Not the white God, the black God, the Middle Eastern God. Our God. Salvation belongs to our God, Jesus Christ, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's unity in Christ. Heaven. Listen, if we're going to spend heaven together, we should probably eat together once or twice. We should probably work together here. We should probably hang out together. But it really comes down to us, guys. We can talk about it all day long or we can be about it. There's one race and it's the human race. And Jesus gave His life for us all. He didn't care if you were white, black. He didn't care what you were. He gave His life for... He crossed the street for you. And you know how He says that you show that you love Him? You cross the street for somebody else. He didn't say who your neighbor is because it's everybody, but he told us how to neighbor. The truth is, man, we can change the world. And we have a voice and we have to use it. But you can use your voice all day long, but people watch your feet, man. They want to see where you're going. See, you can bump those gums all day long. You can social media it up all day long. But take a look around your life. That's where change happens. That's where change happens. I can tell you that it doesn't happen without God. Without Jesus, man, we're going to be some hate mongers. We need Jesus, man. We need Jesus in our hearts and in our lives. There will be no, no social reform without spiritual renewal. How does something beautiful like this happen? Jesus. 
even when you have other Jesus followers that are segregating themselves, this happens in the beauty of it because you choose where you worship and who you worship with. And you choose to be proud of the family that you worship in where everybody can come. And we see each other. We see your struggle and your plight and we come together to identify that, to understand one another and move forward as the, as, as the church of Jesus Christ. Before we can deal with a skin issue, man, we got to deal with a sin issue. Amen. And this just in, the sin issue is an ongoing problem. And it requires our daily prayer, our confession, and our forgiveness. Because i got to tell you, we're not going to get it right all the time. We're not perfect, we're being what? And we need each other. And that means I have to forgive you and you have to forgive me. And we have to come together. That means when I misunderstand something or I miss, then help me understand. One of my favorite stories, uh, many of you guys don't know him, but he's a, a, a dear brother of mine who went home to be with the Lord. His name is uh, Chuck Richardson, Pastor Chuck. You know, we do a, we do a, uh, um, a uh, uh, um, thank you, thank you, scholarship for him every year. And uh, there's two things that I'm always reminded of with Chuck. We had such a, a real relationship, an honest relationship. And the truth is that I had to be corrected. I was in a staff meeting one day, and I was saying the Orientals. And he goes, Mike. I'm like, what, bro? He's like, they're Asians. I'm like, oh, bro, really? And he's like, yeah. I said, but what about, like, the Orient? He's like, no, we're done this conversation. It is is Asians and I was like I got you bro and you know and, and then another time we had a misunderstanding but you know what he had the courage to come to me we were buying a house uh, we were buying a house in St. Pete and we had looked all over truthfully and 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 I couldn't buy a house in the south and he thought I was saying I wouldn't buy a house in the south and, and, uh, and the truth is, I couldn't afford it. The, house, the only houses I could afford were the smaller houses that were in the north. I couldn't afford the house. But he thought I meant I wouldn't go to the south. And I was like, no, bro. I said, no, this is a, this is a broke brother problem, you know? <laughs> and, and he's like, all right, Mike. He's like, but I said, you know what I said to him? I said, man, but you know what? I appreciate Because you could have let that get in your heart. And you could have created something between us that never had to be there. Because once you understood, it was a money problem. <laughs> One of my close friends, I got to speak at his funeral. I was honored to get a chance to do it, but it's because we were willing to cross the street, man. We were willing to have a conversation. When he didn't understand or I didn't understand, he was able to help me. That's the beauty. That's what it looks like. How does injustice get solved when we build relationships? with each other so we feel the pain of other people we connect with city and government officials we connect with our police force and our councilmen and representatives and pastors and communities but we really care when you can put a face with a name you put a face 
and a name on a circumstance and situation and you care more because you identify this is my brother, this is my sister, this is their plight and it's not right. It exposes that but you and I learn how to do that together. But none of that, man, none of that happens. None of it happens without Jesus. And I pray that you celebrate what God's doing here. Where our children play together. And they got uncles and aunts of all colors. Amen. And they just, they come up and they just love you. And they get that love back. And I think about the fact that they won't identify with black or white in that regard because they don't know that. Because they're like, oh no, you can't say that about my Aunt Blanche. You can't say that about my Uncle Mike. You don't know him like I know him. And so we can't get lumped into those groups when we have personal relationships. Say, no, no, no. It doesn't work that way. Man, I want to see heaven on earth before I see heaven. And the truth is, I feel like we have a little bit right here, right now. And here's the best part. There's room for more. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and thank you for this day. And God, thank you for this beautiful fellowship. But God, had it not been for you, Jesus... Had it not been for you crossing the cosmic street to come to us. A people that were broken and hurt. We wouldn't know what it's like to love or be loved. But God, we openly admit that we need help. We need each other. We need to see each other, understand each other. And God, you need to search our hearts, I pray. We beg you to search our hearts and if there be any wicked way in us, if there be any way in us that's corrupt, if there be any way in us that needs correcting, correct it, O God. And then lead us in the way of the everlasting. And God, we know we're not going to be perfect what we're being perfected. But God, put us in relationship with people that we can have the love of Christ where we can forgive one another, love one another, uplift one another, heal one another, encourage one another. Let us be that city on a hill that points to heaven. With every head bowed here and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Mike, that's the God I want. I need Jesus in my life. The God who crossed the street for me, so I'll cross the street for others. That's the kind of life I want to live, and that's the kind of God I want. If that's you today, will you just slip your hand up high in the air? Anybody in the house says, yes, that's me. That's the God I want. Yes, yes, thank you. Yes, 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 thank you. Thank you. You guys can place your hands down. Everyone within the sound of my voice, we're just going to pray this prayer from our hearts to God's. We just simply say, Jesus, I need you. And Jesus, I love you. Thank you for crossing the street for me. I receive all of your healing, all of your forgiveness, and all of your grace. And now I want to be an agent of grace in my community. I know, God, that I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm being perfected. And I pray, God, that I will run back to you and trust you in every circumstance and situation. Jesus, 
You are my God. You are my king. Thank you for adopting me. And thank you for giving me a beautiful family. May I be committed to get to know them more and more. It's in Christ's name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen. And I give a lot of hand clap today because he's a good God. One of the